Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to clear my throat. Ooh, maybe I'll sit on the floor. I don't. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to get comfortable these days. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Bundle of Hers. This is our first episode um, with our new voices and Harji and myself all together after their identity series. So if you haven't checked that out, you should definitely go listen to all three of them from Ha, Lena and Miriam. Today, though, we have an episode coming for you um, with Harjeet, Ha, and Lena, and myself, Margo, in the studio. So I'm really excited to record with y'all for the first time. Me too. I'm so excited. How do you guys feel recording with us, Lena? There's a better, maybe, sense of comfort right now, just because, you know, we're with the pros, but I'm still kind of nervous and we'll get better with time, I guess. <laughs> you guys are already sounding amazing compared to how we sounded in our first season. <laughs> it's like you, I don't know, you just have the natural radio voice or something. We stumbled gracefully and now Definitely. we are authentically <laughs> growing into our voices and you have already reached that point. Yeah. So it can only be like amazing from here. Um, today I wanted to talk about research and the pressure to do research, but also this like need to be in the spotlight, something that we kind of have been talking a lot about together. But I just wanted to preface that we did do a decolonizing medical research episode back in season three. And so this episode will be different. But if you want a foundation on what it means to decolonize research and the places where research is important in medicine and our discussions around that, go back to that episode. This one's going to be a little bit more focused on the need to publish everything and anything and this pressure to sort of do it for, you know, your career gains. For clout. <laughs> for clout. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the way I started thinking about this episode is I think across the board in residencies and sometimes in medical school, you do journal clubs, which is um, where you get together with a group of people and talk about published articles and sort of digest them for yourselves. And last year in pediatrics, they didn't have any real criteria for what you could talk about in journal club. And so I got to um, present on decolonizing research methods, which was also sort of built off that other episode that I talked about. And that's research founded by Linda Smith. Then this year in psychiatry, um, we are also doing journal club. However, there's such strict regulations on what you can present on that when I wanted to talk about something, it, I couldn't find any articles that fit the criteria. And I felt very stifled in that. And then a couple of weeks or like last week or something, there's been a lot of rhetoric around like, this person is such a great researcher and such a rising star in their own research. And like, they're going to go far in their career. And this sort of talk about how you have to have research to be getting ahead. Um, and I know that existed in medical school too uh, for residency. So I just wanted to open the discussion with that about if you guys have any experiences about being like pressured to talk about research in a way that didn't fit your needs or necessarily views of how research should be. I think to start off for a bit of context is that 
I, like Harjeet, did a degree in biomedical engineering. And so I've done like a lot of research on more like that side of things. And switching over to medical school, it was kind of a weird like sense of seeing how people approached research compared to what I had been used to when I was like in biomedical engineering and doing research with the biomedical engineering lab. The big focus that I really noticed was it was really focused more on like numbers of publications and just getting your like name out. So it was like, let's jump into this paper that's already like started quite a bit and then that you might not really even know about, but we can give you like authorship if you just do a little bit of work here and there for it. It made me really sad because one of the things that I really liked about research was really that investigative process and really getting to delve deep into things and really understand things a lot. A lot of the work that I like did with like biomedical engineering research really was sitting down and thinking, hey, what is like the need that we have in this patient population? And how can we using the skill sets that we have design experiments and create hypothesis to then drive? what we do. But something that I really notice with like medical school research now is that because there's such an emphasis on publications, there really isn't that investigative process driving the research. It's more like, oh, look, we have this data from this event. Let's just compile that data and like publish it. And I 100% admit that I'm like a victim of being a part of it because of this emphasis that we need to like do publications. Yeah, I'm actually so excited you said that because this is exactly what I was thinking. I, like you said, also did a degree in biomedical engineering. I remember we spent a whole year understanding what research was, how to present it, how to talk about it. And I think even though it may not appear that way, but there's a lot of love that's put into research, right? It's really about pushing the boundaries of knowledge. And you can only push boundaries of knowledge if you understand the origins of knowledge, right? And knowledge is a process that you have to really like understand what exists, what the intention is of the research, right? So even in medical school, when I think about, you know, how research is talked about or journal clubs as a medical student and now a resident, it's utilized in two ways, right? One way is its utilization of, hey, listen to me. I read this, so I know what I'm saying. And then the other thing it's used for is putting up this like prestige around a person, right? Like I am an academic or I'm in academia, whatever that means, right? I think it's really sad. But when we go back to traditional to research, like are we even honoring what research is? And do we even think of research in that way? I feel like if we have time and we have to put an effort into something, we should be passionate about it because research isn't an easy process. It's something that you really need to feel for and move forward. And I love how you talk about this because I remember thinking even when I was in medical school, like, wow, there's such a talk about research. I think I was never really really cared about it. But granted, I did do a lot of research as an undergrad, so I didn't feel like I needed it either. So I understand why I didn't have the pressure, but I do understand why a lot of medical students feel the pressure that they need to do research because it's like, oh, this counts for residencies or you need to do this, this and this. And that's a lot of pressure. But now being a resident, I'm like, that pressure is unnecessary because again, we're not valuing what research is. I think you bring up a good point, Harjeet, because I'm one of those students. I did not do really any research in my undergrad. I had a few projects here and there. Some of them were to kind of fit the research criteria that I needed. And I didn't really understand 
research or understand much of it. But coming into medical school, it just felt like another situation where we needed to check off the boxes for residency. And there was a huge pressure into try to get as many publications as you can without really thinking about the research or the process or why we're doing this or like the need behind it. And it was very frustrating to see that because there was a lot of times I was, why are we even doing this? Basically, just to check off a box. It's a lot of pressure and it kind of takes away from the true meaning of research and it takes away from the passion of it and it just suddenly becomes something we have to do. And I've seen that happen to a lot of people. To the point that I think both, well, maybe all three of you made is the impact and the intent of the research is lost in this model of quantity over quality and passion of research that we are expected to do at all stages along this career path. For me, so for example, in Journal Club the other day, it came up that we were talking about a medication trial of some antipsychotic and they brought up that a weakness of the study was that most of the population was white men. And then that's kind of where the conversation stopped. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a weakness moving on. And it's like, wait, 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 let's talk about this. Why do we just accept this as a weakness, but you still take this as fact that this medication is working instead of actually having a conversation about the flaws of the research system and the process that allows this to be the standard and the norm. And even if you try to bring it up, most people don't want to engage in that conversation. (laughs) Maybe they don't have the tools or they just don't feel comfortable exploring beyond like what research could look like if it was inclusive or if it was challenged we're all talking about this is research as we know it and how we're supposed to do it and as the checkbox sort of being robots. And now all of a sudden someone's trying to challenge that and it's like easier to just ignore it. And that's what is so frustrating in these journal clubs. I think like it's so hilarious that it just gets like ignored because the research that I know that I like fell in love with, it's about, oh, these are the limitations. So in our future studies, let's address those limitations. Let's push so that our research can be more applicable. And that's like one of the things that I feel like so sad about. I loved research. I did two gap years doing research and it was such my jam. And then going into med school, I felt like I just got that love taken away from me because people just didn't appreciate the process in the way that it should be appreciated. Exactly. And and um, when we're talking about passion for the research and the work and understanding the impact and the intent that we're doing, I think that has also fully been drained in the way that people are now trying to publish their passion projects. So it's like you will start a club at school and then all of a sudden somebody is like, hey, we should publish this as if that's like the only reason you want to do or are doing the work is to get the credit for it. And that also (laughs) just drives me crazy. Archie, did you have a comment? I'm just like thinking about all the times we started something and someone's like, oh, we should like publish this data. And I'm like, um, when did we even think that we're going to do research? What are we being intentional about? Why are we publishing this data? We don't even know what we're doing with this data, right? So it just reminds me of all those times. I think Lena had a comment as well. Yes, I think when you talked about impact, um, yeah, right now it's a lot about quantity. And when we do want to think about something that will impact or something that will lead to 
help or change um, or addressing actual limitations or weaknesses, suddenly it's too much or it's too big of a problem to look into or it's too long of a research. You're just a med student. You're not like a PhD student. And these are just projects that I've thought about before. And I've been told like, uh, focus on things that will take the least amount of time because you don't have time for the actual things that will make an impact. And that's really frustrating because I do see where good research can make a great impact, but that's not what we're told to focus on. Or we're just being told to kind of think about easier stuff to do. Or is even accepted, right? Like in a, a journal would even accept that. Exactly. And the like passion projects turned into research or data. Just because you have data, A, doesn't mean you should publish it. But B, I think it's rooted in this patriarchal or capitalistic idea that parallels white feminism that we talked about last season, where there's the perception that there's only a limited amount of space for people at the top, right? And so if you there's this pressure that if you feel like you're doing something good, like the club that you started is doing well, then you have to publish that data to prove that it's not only a prove that it's doing well, but B, get credit for it before anyone else does. So you can be at that limited space at the top. That's also what drives me crazy is because it's like you should be doing the club or the passion project because you're passionate about it, not because you need to prove to other people that it works or something, you know? Yeah, like jumping off of what you just said, Mario, I get very frustrated when it's like a lot of those passion projects are related to like diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism. I'm criticizing a lot, but I am like part of the system and I have taken part in a lot of research regarding these initiatives. And part of it is just because while I like really enjoy just doing them just to do them. I recognize that the only way I'm going to get people to listen to me or to get people interested in the research is if I go, well, we're going to collect data to publish and to like make this institution look really amazing and that we're being progressive. But it's frustrating for me because I do want to like give the like nuance to say that I do think that equity like and anti-racist papers should be published, but they should be published by people of color whose voices are always silenced so that they can bring their perspective into like the medical like education realm. But with that nuance to understand what then like frustrates me about it is I feel that people are just publishing just to like kind of go like, look at me, like we're doing the work. We really like care about this, but they don't really think about the impact. And they also don't really realize that anti-racism is built off of community. It's not built off of the capitalistic metrics of number of publications and things like that. So like by publishing that research, it's actually not really as anti-racist or as radical as the institutions think they are. I think it's a very hard balance between trying to fight the system or fight kind of what research is right now and being a part of it, because it seems to me that the only way the system will listen if we do present the data or if we present the numbers of how what is happening or how this impacts us. And it is a balance to be like, I don't want to participate in the system, but I do need to participate to bring out the things that you mentioned. Ha. To parallel what both you said, Lena and Hat. Lean shared with us an article the other day from the Annals of Emergency Medicine Journal 
And it was an open letter that they signed your tired emergency medicine colleagues of color. And the article was calling out basically what you were explaining has that if you're doing real anti-racist work, it's not visible and the impact is not being felt at this time. I, I think those are the kinds of publications that we need to have more of. But in this system of quantity over quality and data and metrics is the top and the truth. I wonder how well this sits with the people who actually needs to see it and read it, right? As data or research. And that comes back to the problem of if we only have this one standard and westernized view of what research, acceptable research is, acceptable data is, then can we actually make progress forward and having conversations about decolonizing research, accepting different forms of research and allowing different communities, different people to present their own data? Why does it have to be just PhD or MDs publishing in these journals? I'm sure there are plenty of people in the general public who have just as much knowledge about some of these topics that we could be learning from, but are excluded from this system. And so I think the conversation about decolonizing research needs to be continued. But like you said, we all have to buy into this. It's such a balance. And we can talk about that right now is how do you how do we navigate knowing what we want to do and how we want the system to change but also knowing that we need to play the game to get to where we want to be to have more leverage and power to make change it's such a complicated thing harjeet yeah it definitely is complex i've actually been thinking about this too a lot because i actually had a colleague of mine who i'm working with on some work that is specific to bipoc communities and without giving too much away they basically were like we need to publish this before other people will because other people will. And in a sense, that almost made me really sad because I was like, oh, my God, now it's a race of who could publish this work first because there was this other person and me are both identify as BIPOC and the other people in this group don't identify as BIPOC. And they were very specific. It's a sad reality, but this is what we should do. Right. So that's just something that I also wanted to mention is like, you know, sometimes you do have to be a part part of the system, be and do things in a way that you get the credit you deserve. But the even the thought about credit, again, can we just go back to our conversation about white feminism as we mentioned it? Like we're trying to get credit in a system that wasn't built for us. It's a white supremacist system built for certain groups, certain genders and sexualities to be in power. And then we have to also climb the same ladder. So honestly, when I used to rebel against research, I I know everyone thinks I'm like always like, you don't need to do research. You don't need to do research <laughs> because I get so angry because I'm like, this is my rebellion. I am not going to do what people tell me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. But now I will say every time I think of a project, I'm thinking who is on this project? Because if everyone else can do it, why can't we? I feel like a lot of time it just seeps out the joy of like everything that I love and everything that is central to my identity. For instance, as I've mentioned already, I really 
did love research. For a while, I wanted to do an MD-PhD because I really like the thought and the care placed into research. And I feel like research, when done well, is something built out of community, out of collaboration, out of love. It isn't about one-upping someone else. And I think that research is just like one nuance of many other things with the way that our medical system strips away that love and that collaboration that really does make people happier and really does bring more joy. And it's something that is very frustrating for me. And it's something that I'm still trying to navigate is how I can like hold on to that joy as even as I have to play the game that the system tells me to play. That's actually so beautiful that you said that. Um, because I was just thinking, you're right. Like, let's just imagine I see a kid get a really deep cut and I have a suture kit. I can suture their cut, right? And I can do it by myself. But research is one thing you can't do by yourself. You need a group and you need someone with you. And you're right. It makes it seem very much like this is what I want to do so I can prove that I deserve to be here when you're like already in medical school. There's a lot of emphasis that we see in front of us, how research, how to get your name up there to get the credit. You want to be first author or co-author. Your name needs to be up there. And that turns it into a very, when we like look at the quantity, it turns it into a very individualistic metric. And you're kind of being part of a capitalistic system and um, a system that's wanting you to be on top of others. But Ha and Harji, you bring up a good point that we need to bring back the research we love that actually comes out of a community perspective and uplifting each other's voices and getting the credit together because we are trying to create an impact for the community or change something within the community itself rather than the original or the goal that's pushed upon us of like, oh, you have to be on top of everyone else with like the amount of publications or what you're getting out there. That so nicely wraps up the the summary of the episode too, Lena. <laughs> um, I think that is really the root of our dissonance with research and the conversations that we've had outside of this podcast around research and, and the need of peers to be in the spotlight and get credit for everything and sort of for us trying to keep or find or regain this passion that we either came into medical school with or just trying to keep that fire going. And I think that while we do have to play the game, like we talked about, you know, to get advanced in the career and the way the system is set up, there are ways to sneak in and change the system subtly along the way. And I think you all brought up great points of ways to do that. But I just encourage everyone that if you ever have to present at Journal Club, try pushing the boundaries and and bringing up a paper that maybe doesn't 100% fit or at the end, sneak in something about (laughs) whatever you want to talk about. Just a few slides here and there. There are ways to rebel. (laughs) So, And I think another thing to also think about that has been touched on by like everybody here today is to think about bringing up stuff that community has done and that initiatives that bring change that doesn't fit the evidence-based research like elitist guidelines and really like uplift local voices and like the voices that haven't been heard before. I think that's also so critical. Again, I think research is a beautiful process 
by its origins. Um, we just have to go back to decolonizing it, as we had mentioned in our previous episodes. And also understand, like, there's a lot of other ways you can show people your authenticity and passions. And sometimes research isn't it for some people. And that's okay. We don't all have to be the same. Again, we are not sheeps. We are lions. We do not follow people. We are leaders. If authentically research isn't your thing, that's okay. And I do want to say that. And I think it's very necessary because I think a lot of medical students, a lot of residents, a lot of people in medicine feel like they have to do research to be a doctor. Yes, it can be important. And if you want to do it, you should do it. But if you don't do it, it doesn't mean you won't be a resident. I know people will give you that view, but remember that your authenticity is what's going to lead you to residency. And that's for everybody who's listening and even us, because I think we forget that sometimes. I struggled myself always feeling like I had to do research because of what people were telling me. Research is important if you want to do it. We can reimagine worlds in a different way if we want to. And we need to take back our power. And in a sense, research is power, which is so sad. It's another way people get ahead in the system, right? So we need to take back our power and reimagine the way that we can utilize it. 100%. Do you want to close it, Harjeet? Because I think you said everything that needed to be said. <laughs> um, okay. So um, let me just remember how to do this and then I will close it. Okay. Yes, I remember. Okay. So um, thank you so much for joining us for a bundle for a bundles of hers episode. Um, so with that, thank you for joining us and listening to bundle of hers. If you want to listen to our podcast, you can visit bundleofhers.com. We are on all platforms. We also have an Instagram at Bundle of Hers. Um, please follow. If you have any comments, send us messages. We always love them. We always love your feedback. And we think your voice is important as well. Yeah. Should we see if Lita and Ha have ways to say bye? Because Bushra used to say it all the time for us. <laughs> like our signature bye-bye. Bye-bye? <laughs> I don't know. I can't do it. Bye. Oh, that's a good one, Lena. <laughs> Give it to Lena. Lena, cover it. <laughs> or as Chloe would want. Chloe, how do we end this? <laughs> Cute.